I'm not going to Washington if we prevail to be a bootlicker for Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Look, I, I, I think I disagree with everything my opponent just said, including the words but, and, and the. Senator Lee, you know I'm not a Democrat. You're not worried about that. You're worried about the fact that I'm an independent. Seriously entertaining the idea of supporting an opportunistic gadfly supported by the Democratic Party might make for interesting dinner table conversation, but this is not an ordinary year. Politico calls it the strangest Senate race in America. But we just call it Utah politics. I'm Sage Miller. And I'm Sean Higgins. This week on State Street, we're talking about one of the most highly anticipated U.S. Senate races in the nation. The race between incumbent Utah Republican Mike Lee and independent Evan McMullen. That clip you just heard was from their one and only debate. I attended the debate on October 17th, and it was definitely an eventful night. Senator Lee and McMullen didn't hold back the punches. The crowd was rowdy and dismissed the moderator's repeated request to simmer down. But I will say, as a competitive debater in my former life, it was pretty meaty. The Lee-McMullen race is complicated. You have an incumbent in a heavily Republican state. He's being challenged by a former Republican who's now running as an independent, with the backing of the state's Democrats. And the race is super close, if you believe the polls. Aside from this Senate campaign, Evan McMullen's name might sound familiar. He was a CIA operative and a GOP staffer. And he actually ran for president against Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in 2016. McMullen got 21 percent of Utah's vote for president that year, but he received less than 1 percent nationally. And get this. Senator Lee actually voted for McMullen in defiance of Donald Trump. But since then, his position has changed. Now, Lee is seen as a staunch ally of the former president. The whole backstory is one of the reasons why this race is wonky. For starters, Utah has been a reliably Republican state for a mighty long time. Yeah. The last time a Democrat won statewide office was 1996, when Jan Graham won re-election as Utah's attorney general. That was 26 years ago. And the state hasn't had a Democratic senator since Frank Moss lost re-election in 1976, after three terms. Statewide Republican candidates routinely win by double-digit margins these days. When Mitt Romney ran for Senate in 2018, he received nearly 63 percent of the vote. Plus, it's tough to beat an incumbent in Utah, or anywhere for that matter. It's true. Utah likes its Republicans. But what kind of Republicans? To hear more, I spoke with James Curry. He teaches political science at the University of Utah. Curry said, yes, Utah votes red. But that doesn't mean just anyone wins. Utahns are very Republican, but that doesn't always mean they're very conservative. And in fact, what you can usually say about Utah voters is that they tend to support relatively moderate center-right Republicans more than anything else. And they tend to support relatively moderate to center-right policies more than anything else if you poll them, um, which you know, makes the state a little bit different from other states that are overwhelmingly Republican. So you see this having played out in the 2020 nomination contest uh, for the gubernatorial race, where you had Spencer Cox and John Hudson, both of whom were moderates, against uh, a few other more conservative candidates, notably Greg Hughes and Spencer Cox and John Hudson. Not only uh, one of them, not only won, but they came in first and second in that nomination contest. What kind of sticks out to you about this Senate race? Well, it's different because, you know, the vast majority of Senate races throughout the country feature a Democrat and a Republican and maybe a smattering of other independent candidates that 
poll under 1%. And so this is different because we have a conservative Republican in Mike Lee and then a conservative independent in <laughs> Evan McMullen who are facing off to decide who will win. And with that conservative independent having the endorsement of the state Democratic Party. Um, so, you know, right off the bat, we're just talking about something very, very different than the norm. What exactly are you personally looking out for in this race? I'm looking out for just how well Evan McMullen does or doesn't do, because it's rare where we have independent candidates who have a chance to actually pull well and do well on election day. And by well, I mean win more than 5% of the vote. The vast majority, more than 90 to 95% of independent candidates who run in statewide elections tend to win less than 5% of the vote. And so it's interesting to get to observe a race like this where you have an independent who's going to do better than that, certainly. And then look at the breakdown of who voted for whom and where did these votes come from and what does that maybe tell us about where Utah voters are at the moment. How do you think it could impact voter turnout? On one hand, you know, you could make the case that maybe this will broaden voter turnout because you have a more competitive Senate race than we're used to having. But on the other hand, something we know from various political science studies over the years is that one of the biggest drivers of turnout is people's partisanship. And they're often driven to show up on election day because they're motivated by the person at the top of the ballot that shares their party identification. This is usually the most visible candidate in their state who shares their party affiliation. There is no Democrat at the top of the Utah ballot this year because the race that will lead off the ballot is the Senate race where there's no Democrat on the ballot. That may suppress turnout among Democratic identifiers who are not hyper-attentive to the day-to-day ongoings of politics. They may simply just see there's no Democrat running and then they may not show up or if they're casting a mail-in ballot, just simply may not return it. So it's, it's hard to gauge because you have competing forces there that may push in different directions. And depending on who wins this race, what does that say about Utah's politics? It's going to tell you one of two things, right? On one hand, if Mike Lee wins, which to me seems like the more likely of the outcomes just historically and based on the current polling and everything else we know about how people vote and how the the challenges that stack up against independent candidates. If Mike Lee wins, I think it mainly says something about the power of incumbency and the power of party identification and party affiliations in how people engage in politics and how they vote. I don't think it would affirm that we have a particularly conservative state that now loves hard right-wing candidates and loves senators who cuddle up to Donald Trump. I don't think that's what it means. Um, On the other hand, if Evan McMullen wins, I think that does say something much bigger, that if Evan McMullen can pull this off, it suggests that the dip that we saw in Utah support for Republican nominees at the presidential level while Trump was on the ballot may extend beyond the Trump years. Uh, you know, notably, Trump did far worse than uh, Mitt Romney did in 2012 or that John McCain did in 2008 or that George W. Bush did in 2004 in Utah among Republican voters and in general among voters. But if McMillan won, that suggests that there may be a broader fracturing between the types of voters who live in a place like Utah who affiliate with the Republican Party, including LDS voters, and where the National Republican Party is that may pose a challenge for Republicans in this state long term. That was University of Utah Associate Professor of Political Science, James Curry. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into where Lee and McMullen stand on top policy issues. You're listening to State Street. State Street. 
Support for State Street comes from the Hinckley Report podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about the biggest political headlines in the Beehive State. Find new episodes of PBS Utah's The Hinckley Report every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. KUER is proud to be listener-focused and listener-supported public radio. We're grateful for our community of donors and sustainers who make monthly contributions to the station. If you rely on our programming to stay informed, become our newest sustainer with a gift of just $5 a month. Or consider an increase to your existing contribution. Get started today at KUER.org donate. You're listening to State Street. I'm Sage Miller. And I'm Sean Higgins. So we mentioned that Evan McMullen ran for president as an independent in 2016, and before then, he was actually a congressional staffer for the Republican Party. So why the switch? He told me about the moment he realized he could no longer be a Republican. I was serving as the chief policy director for the House Republicans in 2016. Trump was rising through the primaries. It was June or July, and he was struggling, actually, to win the support of House Republicans. There was a brief time when that was the case. And so he came to Capitol Hill and gathered all the Republican members of the House and their senior advisors, and he gave a speech intended to win their support and and then took questions. And I'll never forget a a congresswoman from Indiana, uh, Susan Brooks, a former prosecutor, very sharp woman, She stood up and she asked, Mr. Trump, if you're elected, will you honor the Constitution? And there was was silence uh, uh, from one side of of that room to the other as people waited for the answer, because I think we all understood that really that was was the, the crux of it. And he sort of chuckled and looked to the left and looked to the right and said, sure, I'll honor our Article I of the Constitution. I'll honor Article II of the Constitution. I'll even honor Article 13 of the Constitution, which of course is a part of the Constitution that doesn't exist. And there was a gasp in the room as people realized that not only did he not know about the Constitution, which by the way is recommended reading if you're running for president, uh, but also that he didn't care to know the Constitution. That was a moment that for me confirmed that he was someone who, like others I had seen during my CIA service abroad, who wanted to pursue power at the expense of people. He wanted to be a dictator in America, and the Constitution would be a mere speed bump in his mind. And I I think that was a a very clear moment when my concerns were validated and in which I understood what was at stake and that serious action would need to be taken in order to protect the Republic. Serious action. And for him, that meant this Senate run as an independent. I talked to McMillan more about his candidacy and what he's doing to appeal to people across the political spectrum. You know, in some ways it is a tightrope, but I have to say it's not as much of a tightrope as I think a lot of people believe. You know, we've been told by the extremes that the other side is the enemy, that the other side is irredeemable, etc., that the reality is, is that most Utahns and most Americans have far more in common than indifference. You know, most, most Utahns want to protect our system of self-government. They know the extremes threaten it. Most Utahns want to lower health care costs for, for Utahns and also for the country. Most Utahns want to lower inflation. Most Utahns know that we have to 
get our fiscal house in order. Uh, most Utahns also understand that we need to protect our air and water, that we need to live up to our responsibility of stewardship for the environment. It's, of course, a serious uh, issue here in Utah, but of course, you know, around the world, but we're feeling the, the consequences of uh, a failure to live up to that responsibility very acutely here. And, and so these things that we talk about, these issue-based uh, conversations we have also allow us to find common ground, and, and that's between uh, Republicans, Democrats, and independents. Do you see that as a fragile coalition? What is holding this coalition together? Let me be clear about that, that not everyone uh, will be a part of this coalition because there are some among us who have taken very extreme positions on our system of self-government, wanting to dismantle it. I know that I, I will struggle to win those votes, but most Utahns are not in that place. Most Utahns uh, you know, are committed to our core ideals. They're committed to solving problems with reason and fact and evidence. And, and science, and that's the coalition that we're building. And, and in his campaign ad, Senator Lee has said you'd be a vote for President Biden's agenda in the Senate. What are your thoughts on that? Well, let me be clear. I'm not going to Washington to join a party or to, or to support party bosses of either side. And Senator Lee has a hard time uh, envisioning a world in which partisanship, extreme rote partisanship, don't dominate. I'm just, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's threatening the future of our country, and I refuse to play that game. And, and with that said, where could you potentially cast a vote with Democrats? Is there an issue that sticks out to you? Well, I, I think I'll, you know, I, I believe and I, I do say that I will be in coalition with other senators who are committed to our system of self-government. And, and I hope that that's a, a, I want that to be a large bipartisan group. Uh, but certainly I agree with Democrats that we need to protect voting rights, for example. We need to shore up uh, our, our democracy now. We have a, a narrow window, I believe, to do that. Certainly within the next few cycles, we will decide as a country whether we are still a democratic republic or whether we are going to head further down the road to authoritarianism. And we have an opportunity to stand up to it now and to strengthen our system of self-government now before it's too late. And, and I know that it's not only Democrats in the Senate who believe that. There are, I, I believe, at least a couple of, of Republican senators who understand uh, the stakes right now. And I hope to bring them along too. But, but certainly I, I expect that I will vote with Democrats to, to shore up our system of self-government before it's too late. Independent U.S. Senate candidate Evan McMullen. Evan, thank you so much for joining State Street. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we hear Evan McMullen framing himself as building a bipartisan coalition, especially to strengthen voting rights. One of the most common attacks we've seen against Senator Lee is that he's an obstructionist, not a coalition builder. Lee often votes no on bipartisan pieces of legislation, like the recent PACT Act to extend veteran health care benefits. He also first blocked, then voted for the establishment of a new national historic site at the location of a World War II Japanese internment camp in Colorado. We tried multiple times to have Senator Lee join us on State Street. He was unavailable, but we were able to talk to someone else close to the senator. Amelia Powers Gardner is a current Utah County Commissioner and co-chairs Lee's re-election campaign. I asked her about Lee's reputation as a no-man. 
I think a lot of people don't realize the nuance of law. So, for example, the senator never actually voted against making the internment camp a monument. What he did is he postponed the vote until we were able to negotiate to get that land free of charge. Right. And so postponing a vote so that we can fix a bill and make it even better. Some people see that as obstructionist. Um, I see that as getting into the nitty gritty details. Legislation is very difficult. And in the government, it's very difficult. Sometimes you see these um, high level goals of a bill or you hear names of a bill and they sound really, really good. But when you get into the nitty gritty of it, for example, with that internment camp one, he never actually cast a no vote. All he said is, hey, can we hold this one for a minute? I think we can get a I think we can do this without spending taxpayer dollars. And in the end, he did have a yes vote, and they did accomplish getting that monument, but without spending the taxpayer dollars. Is this a personality contest, or are there clear policy differences between these two candidates? I would love to answer that question, but I have to actually get solid policy to see where Evan McMullen stands on policy. I mean, when he ran for president, he was pro-life. But then when he talks to Democrats, he says he doesn't support the Utah laws on abortion. So it's really hard to answer that question because we don't really have solid policy from Evan McMullen. I mean, even in his campaign rallies, I've listened to many of his speeches. um, I've listened to a lot of his interviews, and I have a really hard time discerning where he stands on policy. Because of that, um, you know, Senator Lee has been very consistent on policy. Uh, He very much represents the Utah families, Utah values, and um, and and the, the policies of the people of Utah overwhelmingly support. Because of that, it has to really come down to a personality race because we don't have anything to measure it against with Evan McMullen. Uh, McMullen has also hit the senator very hard on his text messages to Mark Meadows, former White House chief of staff, after the 2020 election. In the conversations I've had with with some Republican voters, this is a concern for them, too. What's the campaign's response to, to the allegations that Mike Lee is an election denier and is behind this effort to overturn the 2020 election? So I don't know if um, if you know this very well, but I was a county clerk in 2020. So I actually ran that presidential election in 2020. And I have to tell you, Senator Lee has never once given me a vibe that he denies that the work we as county clerks do was fraudulent or that we had any any issues with our machines. In fact, he has had several public statements since then saying that he has the utmost respect for the elected county clerks across the nation and the election workers and that he believes in the integrity of the election. Having been someone who's run the elections and looking at that, I read those text messages very differently. And the way that I read them as an election official was this. If you're going to challenge the results of an election, then you have to do it on constitutional grounds. And, and by the way, the 2020 elections is not unique. I mean, in 2016, after 2016, how many Hillary supporters said, not my president? And Senator Lee's point was to say, just standing up and saying, not my president, just standing up and saying, we don't agree with the results of the election is not grounds to challenge. What he was saying is, if you're going to challenge it, there's a right way and a wrong way. Um, and then, by the way, Why did he spend 14 hours a day making calls to state legislatures? It wasn't to convince them. It was to confirm with them that do you plan on challenging these results? No? Okay. And then in the end, he actually gave a very impassioned speech on the Senate floor and said, our constitutional duty is to record 
the electoral votes. And that's what we're going to do. And then that's what he did. So I think, once again, it's it's just like the internment camp. They're claiming that Senator Lee voted against it. He never did. He just delayed the vote long enough to get a better deal for the people. In this case, I've never heard or seen him actually say that the election was fraudulent or that it was stolen. What do you tell a Republican who says they're thinking of casting a vote for Evan McMullen? I ask them if they know what Evan McMullen stands for. I mean, he didn't even own a home in Utah until 2021 when he was thinking he was going to run for Senate. Um, Does he even know what the people of Utah want? I mean, I've been involved in this state for over a decade as a grassroots activist, and I've never seen Evan McMullen at a single political event. Right. So he's not actively involved with politics in Utah. He's not actively involved with the people of Utah. He only moved here to run for president. And I would say to them, do you actually even know what he stands for? Amelia Powers Gardner, thank you so much. Thank you. So, Sean, what does McMullen stand for? To answer that question, let's get back to what we heard at the very beginning of this episode, the debate at Utah Valley University. It was truly a hot and heavy debate. Both candidates looked directly at each other instead of the crowd or cameras. There were pointer fingers waving around. The audience frequently responded to remarks with boos and cheers, which really isn't allowed. And of course, there were sarcastic digs coming from both sides. I I call that President Trump all the time. I called him out in public and in private, on a train in the rain with a fox in, in a box. Every time I got the chance. Well, Senator Lee, I I think both you and I have have had times of frustration over the last several years in the options being provided to us at the presidential level by both parties. In 2016, as you recall, you voted for me out of that frustration when you stood on principle, as you should have. You were there in person, and I was watching from afar, monitoring everything on social media. And I noticed the frequent interruptions, too. It was unlike any of the other debates we've covered this year. But in between all of the ruckus, the two candidates actually covered a lot of ground on the issues. And, you know, the debate aligned with a lot of what we heard from Utahns in our last episode when we took a road trip to see what's motivating voters. If you haven't heard that one, you can find it in the State Street feed. But yeah, Lee and McMullen addressed inflation, abortion, and they just couldn't help but talk about the 2020 election results. Senator Lee placed the blame for the current inflation situation squarely in the lap of President Joe Biden and the Democratic-controlled Congress. In the United States of America, there's only one cause of inflation. It's excessive spending by Congress. I will continue to fight every day to rein that in. We need a Republican-controlled Senate to do that. McMullen didn't necessarily agree, but he called out both parties for reckless spending when they're in power. And he accused Lee of being part of that problem. The funny thing is, they actually agreed with each other a lot. They are both self-identified conservatives, after all. That was particularly apparent in their stances on abortion. Not a whole lot of difference there. Both of them say they are pro-life, but McMullen added that he thinks there are other ways besides outright bans to make abortions rare. There is a more constructive way forward. It's making contraception more available, doing more to support women, children, and families, and imparting the right values to our youth. That's what we can do to, to lower the abortion rate in America. But their views clearly differed on what went down following the 2020 election. McMullen accused Lee of attempting to overturn the election to keep former President Trump in the White House. And I think you knew how important it was when you sought to urge the White House that had lost an election to find fake electors to overturn the will of the people. 
Senator Lee, that was the most egregious betrayal of our nation's constitution in its history by a U.S. senator, I believe, and it will be your legacy. Lee was not about to let McMillan get away with that comment. He shot back, and so did the audience. Evan, that's not true. You know that's not true. You, sir, owe me an apology. Listen. There were rumors circulating, suggesting that some states were considering switching out their slates of electors. I made phone calls to figure out whether the rumors were true. The rumors were false. On that basis, I voted to certify the results of the election. Senator Lee, thank you. So that brings us to the big question. Does McMullen actually have a shot at unseating Lee? James Curry thinks McMullen could pull it off, but it won't be easy. He has a chance, but it depends on what you mean by like how good of a chance. I'd say his odds of winning are pretty low. We talked to Curry several weeks ago, and while he said he stands by his assessment, things have gotten tighter since then. The most recent Deseret News Hinckley Institute poll shows Lee and McMullen are neck and neck. Lee has the lead by just four points. In order for McMullen to win, some Republicans would have to cross over and vote for him. Curry doesn't think McMullen's talking points about Lee trying to overturn the 2020 election is enough for Republicans to hop ship. And so you would, he would need to convince people who just generally don't care that much about Mike Lee's involvement in this that they should care about it. And that's probably a harder sell. I think it would have to be something new, something different. Maybe Mike Lee personally like hid all those National Archives files in Trump's basement. I mean, something that's new and like, and like turns off another subset of voters in a new way that they haven't yet. And it would have to be a relatively substantive, substantively large amount, maybe another 10 to 15 percent of Utah voters that currently are inclined to vote for Mike Lee. Right now, polls show there's still a lot of undecided voters out there. The Hinckley poll says 12 percent have yet to make up their mind. Even then, the fact remains. It's tough to beat an incumbent. Polling website 538 flags the race as clearly favored for Lee. It will be an uphill battle for McMullen to win. But that doesn't mean it's impossible. It means it's up to voters to determine who represents Utah in Washington. With that being said, Sean, mail-in ballots are on the way. If you're not registered to vote, you have until October 28th to do so if you want a mail-in ballot. You can also register to vote at early polling locations or in person on Election Day, which is on November 8th. You can find all the details at vote.utah.gov. Your mail-in ballots have to be postmarked by November 7th. If it isn't, your vote won't count. So get that sucker in early. Or if you're forgetful like little old me, drop it off at one of the secure election boxes around your town, which you can do up until polls close on Election Day. That does it for this episode of State Street. I'm Sean Higgins. And I'm Sage Miller. The show's executive producer is Caroline Ballard. Editing and production support comes from Elaine Clark and David Childs. Our digital team includes Jim Hill, Renee Bright, Raquel Davis, and Eleanor Gomberg. State Street is a production of KUER. If you're a fan of the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It helps other listeners find State Street. See you next week, where we'll be diving into races you might not be paying attention to, but could have a huge impact on Utah's future. From KUER.